0: This is Because I Said So, parenting advice, with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Rosemond, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Rosemond. Welcome to the show, folks. It's called Because I Said So, and I'm your host, John Rosemond. You can find out more about me, my books, my syndicated newspaper column, and my upcoming speaking engagements, which take place hither and yon uh, all across America, primarily August through May by going to my website. John Rosemond, J-O-H-N-R-O-S-E-M-O-N-D.com. The show is all about parenting, parenting, and I'm a very traditional, biblically-based guy. Nothing new from me because I don't believe that there is concerning children or raising them properly, anything new under the sun. I believe that the Bible is the only book we need in order to raise children properly. We need to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts, and he will direct our paths appropriately. And uh, so I go around the country nine months a year, more or less a coincident with the school year. And I try to keep traditional, biblically-based parenting alive in America. That is my ministry, and that is my mission. And I do a variety of presentations. I do 90-minute presentations. I do three-hour, I call them seminars. And then I do full-day seminars, and then sometimes I do two-day small-group seminars. I call those parent retreats. And anyway, you can go to my website and find out more about all of that. Question from a the mother of a 12-year-old. Our 12-year-old has a smartphone. I know you don't approve. No, I don't. But all, and I do mean all of his friends have them, And texting is how they communicate. Yes, I know that too. I don't think under the circumstances, and this is the mother now speaking, that making him be the odd man out socially is a good idea, and she puts odd man out in quotation marks. I don't think under the circumstances that making him be the odd man out socially is a good idea. So our question, do we have a right to monitor his cell phone communications? Some of his friends' parents do, while others don't. Feeling that doing so indicates a lack of trust. What do you think? Okay. While you are correct, I don't approve of 12-year-olds having cell phones. And to the question, John, when should my child have a cell phone? My answer is when he can pay for it and pay the monthly bill. That's when he should, if he wants one, have a cell phone. But here's my answer to the mother when she says, do we have a right to monitor his phone communications? Some of his friend's parents do, while others don't, feeling that doing so indicates a lack of trust. What do you think? Oh, well, what I think in general is that parents who buy an expensive technological toy for a child, primarily because all his friends have one, have lost a firm grip on common sense. But then, as Rush Limbaugh recently said, common sense is on the wane in America today in every sphere, in every facet of American existence, Yes, I think parents who buy an expensive toy for a child, on the basis of the fact that all his friends have one, are common sense challenged. Toy, John? Toy? A cell phone is not a toy. Oh, yes, it is. It's a toy in the hands of a 12-year-old or a 14-year-old or a 16-year-old. It's a toy. Your smartphone is not a toy my smartphone is not a toy, my wife's cell phone is not a toy, you, I, my wife, we use our cell phones for legitimate communication, essential purposes. I use mine primarily for work-related situations, for example, as well as calling my wife, calling my son, calling my daughter, calling my grandchildren, calling my friends, arranging appointments and so on and so forth. My cell phone is not a toy. My wife's cell phone is not a toy. Your son's cell phone is a toy. It is a toy because your son uses his phone primarily for entertainment, for superfluous, completely non-essential purposes. Therefore, His cell phone, by definition, is a toy, period. It is not sort of, kind of a toy, sometimes a toy. It is a toy. All right, that's my feeling, number one. My feeling, number two, is so what if all of his friends have smartphones? Who cares? Well, I'll tell you who cares. Your son cares. But who, beyond your son, cares? Children including those in high school, by the way, do not need smartphones. They have them because they want them. I'll say that again. Children, including those in high school, do not need smartphones. No parent in America has ever been able to logically justify that their child has a cell phone because of a legitimate need. All of their explanations when I ask, why does your child have a cell phone? They all boil down to, well, all of his friends have one. I mean, John, that's the way they communicate these days. Blah, 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 blah. In other words, they have them because they want them. Just like when I was a teenager, I wanted my own telephone because a lot of my friends had their own telephones in their rooms. Their parents had put telephones into their rooms, given them their own phone lines. This was in the day of hard lines, folks, because they were tired of going to use the phone and finding their child on the phone when they needed to use the phone for an essential purpose. And their child was using the phone for a non-essential purpose, for completely recreational and entertainment purposes. And so, instead of dealing with the issue, authoritatively, they gave in to their children and put their own phone lines in their rooms. So I wanted a phone line in my room too, because most of my friends had phone lines in their rooms. And my parents said... If all of your friends jumped off a cliff, would you follow them? And I said, what does that have to do with it? Jumping off a cliff, I'm talking about a phone. And my parents said, well, then let us answer your question directly. The answer is no, you're not going to get a phone. But why? Because I said so. And that was the end of the discussion. So today's kids have phones because they want them. And they have parents who, like my friend's parents, When faced with the choice between doing the sensible thing and what a child wants them to do, choose the latter. You want your child or teen to have a means of contacting you in certain situations? Fine, I'm all for that. Go to a big box store, Walmart, Target, buy them a flip phone, register it, put some minutes on it, give it to said child or teen. Selectively, Only on those occasions when you want him to be able to get in touch with you at a moment's notice and vice versa. Buy a phone. Give it to him selectively. He's leaving the house. Hand him the phone and say, call me if you need to. Bada bing, bada boom. As for the idea that a child without a smartphone will be, as you put it, the odd man out, that's simply not true. Over the past five or so years, many parents have told me their kids don't have smartphones and won't until they can pay for them themselves, including the monthly bill. All of the kids in question have friends. All of the kids in question are socially active. They do not spend their weekends curled up in fetal positions sucking their thumbs Social skills determine whether a child has friends, not a smartphone. And if you haven't noticed where children and teens are concerned, social skills and smartphones are incompatible. In fact, these devices do kids very little good and a lot of bad. They become obsessions, addictions, and by the way, the research indicates that they actually induce changes in the brain that mimic the type of... Changes in the brain that are brought about by other addictions. They become impediments to proper socialization, conversation, in other words, during the years that are critical to the formation of social skills. In addition, too many youngsters use their smartphones for inappropriate purposes, especially boys. But you already know that. Therefore, your question, should we monitor our son's phone phone? communications. On that note, yes, you have a right to monitor. You are the adults. You support your son. In the final analysis, the phone in question is yours, not his. You are loaning it to him. Get straight about that, he needs to be aware of that as well. But also allow me to point out that if a child knows his parents are going to check his texts... And the numbers he's been calling, he is going to erase them or find a way around their attempts to do so. For that reason, my question to you, what were you thinking? Actually, I know what you were thinking. You were thinking that a 12-year-old knows what is in his own best interest. Hello? Is there anybody out there? Those of you who are, stay with us. Be right back. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with us. I'm John Rosemond, your host. And uh, my website's John Rosemond, J O H N R O S E M O N D.com, if you want to find out more about me, my books, syndicated newspaper column, public speaking events, and so on. I have said many times uh, in in the show that I'm a renegade psychologist. I do hold a license to practice psychology from the North Carolina Psychology Board and um, intend to keep holding on to it, uh, by the way. Although I don't believe in psychology, I think it's a secular religion that you believe in by faith, but I enjoy being a psychologist and being a burr in the side of my profession. And the following question and my answer to it is indication of why my colleagues, by and large, there are exceptions, uh, they are few and far between, don't like me. I am bad for business. Anyway, here's the question, and and you'll see that in a moment. Question comes from a mother. My nine-year-old daughter is having anxiety issues that seem to border on obsessive-compulsive disorder. Mom's been going to the internet too much. She wants me to repeat certain things back to her and has a set routine of things I must say when I'm tucking her into bed. She's genuinely upset by all of this and tells me she thinks there's something wrong with her. I'd say it was something she can't control, but she does not do this when she's alone with my husband. I've talked to her. I've tried ignoring her. I've refused to cooperate with her demands, and I've even yelled, all to no avail. Could she have obsessive-compulsive disorder, OCD, at this age? And if so, does she need medication? What can we do to help her? All right, well, first of all, I I can't do a long-distance diagnosis, Furthermore, I'm of the experienced and very well-read opinion that psychiatric diagnosis concerning a child these age is rarely helpful, and I mean rarely, like one out of a thousand, maybe, and the risks of psychiatric medication with a child often outweigh the benefits, and I'm talking Child, preteen, teen, these drugs are dangerous. That's why they are restricted by prescription. Don't ever let them tell you or any doctor tell you this drug is safe. These drugs are not safe. They are central nervous system stimulants some of them, they are central nervous system depressants, some of them. In any case, they alter the functioning of the central nervous system and the brain in sometimes very unpredictable ways, depending on the child. And oftentimes, these modifications and alterations are even life-threatening. I do not diagnose, I do not ever recommend medication. Now, those are not opinions supported by the majority of my colleagues. So if you, mom, feel the need for a face-to-face evaluation in your daughter of your daughter's issues, then by all means, I encourage you to pursue one. Parentheses, go ahead, waste your money. End of parentheses. In a situation of this sort, second and even third opinions can sometimes, occasionally, maybe, but not very often, be helpful. Because all the mental health professions do these days, it seems, is test, diagnose, and medicate. Based on slightly more than 100 words of information you provided, but more than 40 years of experience with emotional and behavioral issues of childhood, my sense is that your daughter does not have a mental disorder that can be objectively determined, that she is exhibiting the behaviors in question only with you. And by the way, if you go to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, the Diagnostic Bible of the Mental Health Professions, and you go to Obsessive Compulsive Disorder, you're going to find a description that to some degree... Matches the behaviors your daughter is exhibiting and behaviors that many mental health professionals would use to diagnose obsessive compulsive disorder in a nine-year-old and recommend a potent psychiatric medication. But the fact that your daughter is exhibiting the behaviors in question only with you, not her father or anyone else suggests that your relationship with your daughter, and don't take this the wrong way, has developed or is developing co-dependent aspects, defined as a lack of emotional boundary. That's what codependency is all about. Codependency is all about a relationship between two people in which there is no emotional boundary. In this case, and codependency in the mother-child relationship in America is rampant. It is epidemic these days, folks. It boils down to this, what the child feels, the mother feels. The mother cannot separate herself From anything the child feels, she personalizes it and feels that it is her job to solve the problem. So today's mothers just don't say to their children, as I would say to a child in a situation like this, well, child of mine, I don't know what you're going to do because I'm not going to cooperate with you telling me to repeat things over and over and over again. I'm just not going to do that, so I don't know how you're going to handle these feelings that you have, but I'm not going to cooperate with them. And by the way, if you need to cry because I'm not going to cooperate, that's just fine. I will leave you alone so that you can cry by yourself, because actually listening to your crying is quite irritating to me. I don't want to listen to it, and I'm not going to. And with that, I would get up and leave the room. And some people may listen to that and go, oh, oh, John, oh. How cold-hearted of you. No, it's not. That's loving. That's helping the child get over it. This child needs to get over this problem, get a grip on it, and get over it as quickly as possible. It is the loving, and I'm not suggesting that this mother does not love her child. But when you are in a codependent relationship with a child— There is a blur between enabling and love. That is always the case. And that is what I suspect in this relationship here. My daughter began, you know, the other thing to consider here, folks, is that almost all children at one time or another during their childhoods exhibit psychiatric symptoms of any of one sort or another. I mean, the number of symptoms listed in in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual is mind-boggling. Almost every child has exhibited psychiatric symptoms or a cluster of them at one time or another. That doesn't mean the child has a mental disorder or disease. Most of the stuff, I would estimate 90% of it is transient, and the other 10% would have been transient had the parents just dealt with it in a very matter-of-fact but supportive way. For example, my daughter when she was around 12, every night when I would tuck her in, she wanted me to tuck her in would tell me that she was afraid of dying. So she was obsessing about dying. And I just looked at her and the first time she, you know, said this, I said, "Well, you know, Amy, you Children your age, sometimes they think of thoughts like that. And, and, uh, you know, you're 12 years old and you don't have completely, you haven't developed complete control of your thoughts yet, just like you haven't developed complete control of your behavior. You're still somewhat impulsive at times. I've told you that. And your thoughts are the same way. They're sometimes impulsive. And sometimes your brain generates thoughts that are kind of weird and that's what happens when you are a child, you're still immature, you haven't developed complete control over your thinking, and uh, so uh, I'm not concerned that you are thinking a lot about death, and you shouldn't be either. Kissed her goodnight, walked out of the room. And I had to repeat that a couple of times to her. Over the next week or so, Daddy, I'm still you know, thinking about death. I said, well, I told you what I think about it. I told you it's perfectly normal. And within a week, week and a half, it was gone. But you see, if I had been in a codependent relationship with her, where I would not have been able to separate my own feelings from hers, I would have become anxious. I would have communicated my anxiety to her. I would have started a long-winded explanation, questions, conversation, you know, and I I would have verified that there was something wrong. Instead, I simply shrugged it off. And within a week or two, she had shrugged it off as well. And by the way, she remembers that. And she thanks me for that today. And by the way, and she says, Daddy, when you said that, I thought, you know, you you were kind of being cold and and you didn't care. But I realize now what you were doing and, and you did the right thing. You know, the fact of the matter is that children do odd, strange things at times. More often than not, and especially if they're handled calmly and confidently, these quirky little things, they come and go. Sometimes they may even look psychiatric in nature, but usually they're nothing more than an example of life's inevitable glitches. But I want to tell you, you take something like this to a mental health professional and he is going to test, diagnose, and medicate. Test, diagnose, and medicate. It's all they do. That's all they do. There are exceptions, but they are rare. So anyway, it's been another Because I Said So with your host, John Roseman, American Family Radio, every Saturday, 5 o'clock Central Time. Hope you join us next time. Bye-bye.